It's been 623 days since Sri Lanka's woman last played international cricket. I'm Jay Dantzikhani and you're listening to the All Over Cricket Podcast. On this episode, we speak to Estelle Vasudevan, who writes for the papare.com and is a go-to source for all things Sri Lanka cricket. We discuss the highs of Sri Lanka's 2013 World Cup campaign, where they defeated both India and England, and how we got from there to the point we're at right now. We also discuss Sri Lanka's chances at the upcoming 50-over World Cup qualifier, where they'll have to finish in the top three out of 10 teams in order to qualify for the 2023 World Cup. If you like this episode, you can subscribe to the podcast, visit us at allovercrick.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at allovercrick. Welcome to season two of the All Over Cricket podcast. The Women's World Cup qualifier is coming up, so it's only smart for us to invite an expert on Sri Lankan women's cricket, uh, Estelle Vasudevan, who's a writer at thepaparay.com. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Estelle. How's it going? Hi, Jay. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, I mean, it was honestly, it was a pretty easy option. I've tweeted about this before. All Over Cricket has tweeted about this before. It's so frustrating for a team like Sri Lanka. And I guess Bangladesh is also in the same category until today. They're playing their first mm-hmm. uh, women's international today after, what, since since February 2020. And it's just so frustrating to see that happen. You know, so for me, this is, this is a podcast I've always wanted to do. I'm so glad, you know, we, we finally have the time to sit down and, and have this chat. But uh, like I was saying, let's, let's start things off with the highs of 2013. That 2013 World Cup campaign, you know, defeating India by 138 runs, defeating England, I believe. And that game against India, you know, walloping 92 runs in the last nine overs. You know, so many players coming through, like Sani Lokasuriyage as well. And, you know, at that point, a lot of people, including the Sri Lankan president, Mahinda Rajapaksa, thought this was a turning a point for the Sri Lankan team. Before we get into, you know, I guess the criticism since then, just talk to us more about the highs of 2013 and how all of that came together. Yeah, I think that tournament was kind of the one that got everyone's attention on the women's cricket team in Sri Lanka. Because previously, although I think at some level, everybody knew that there was a team, but that really brought it to everybody's attention because it was on TV. I think that was maybe the first time we were able to see a Sri Lankan team participating in a World Cup on TV. So what was great was they, of course, rose up to the occasion, defeated two teams that they hadn't beaten ever before. So that was the the, the, the most important part of it because Sri Lanka, of course, was a be- was behind a lot of the other countries when it came to development in the in the women's game. Although they had started in '97 and even played a Test match as well, coming into that tournament, there weren't many you know hopes of Sri Lanka progressing. But with those two wins, and I think what was encouraging to see was the way the two wins were achieved. They beat India, and there wasn't there was barely a celebration because. 
it was more, almost as if you know the job's not done yet um so that was i think the highest sri lanka has gone in terms of women's cricket it was a lot to do with i think uh, the environment because all the sri lanka sri lanka had lost they didn't have a good record coming into the tournament but i think what was important was at that point there are a lot of experienced players who had kind of used those losses and and the difficult kind of stages to kind of understand their roles within the team and what they needed to do to really get the best out of the team as a whole so i think that uh, harsha deserva was the coach at that point and shashikala sirivardhana the captain they managed to really get the most out of the limited resources they had because uh, i don't think the squads or the the pool from which to choose from at that time was big, as big as it is now so it must have been a very challenging job at that point to pick you know the best players to go and represent sri lanka at at the world cup but the leadership group was able to utilize each player and and i think understand what each player can do well in order for sri lanka to succeed so i don't think uh, sri lanka has ever kind of felt that kind of high in the next couple of years not i don't think i know we haven't reached those kind of highs so yeah it was a really good time most importantly i think it it was the time where uh, everyone became everyone in sri lanka became aware that okay there is a women's team and they are uh, you know competing at the world stage do you think one reason for their success in 2013 was because in other countries as well you know professionalization hadn't caught up to where it is now especially in england and australia like you know india losing by 138 runs in that game you know i believe the bcci had just taken over women's cricket in india and there was still and there still is a very long way to go um so do you know do do you think that was a reason compared to now where you know england with 100 and the the domestic contracts i believe they have 56 domestic contracts now uh outside of of the national team and uh you know the nationally contracted players so do you think that was also a, a factor back then yeah definitely i think because at that point it was almost a level playing field for everyone where mostly it was people kind of semi professionals uh playing the game so at that point sri lanka could uh, this isn't actually an issue only in women's cricket we see it a lot in sri lanka where the systems are kind of still lagging behind a lot of the other countries so i think at that point we were on equal fit almost equal footing because you still depended a lot on talent at that point but in the years that followed other countries have grown the they have developed their systems their domestic structures all of that so that now you have talent as well as you know you have that professional element to the sport whereas in sri lanka that's still i think a lot far behind because sometimes there's a tendency to kind of depend on the fact that okay we succeeded with this system therefore it obviously works but you need to understand that you have to continually keep growing because the sport is evolving as well so yeah definitely that was a factor at that point yeah like you were saying you know 2013 definitely a golden period for sri lankan women's cricket and just let's talk about some of the heroes or uh, s- some of the uh, standout performers 
from that campaign. Um, one person who definitely caught my eye and a lot of people's eye, striking at over 100 in that tournament, someone who seems tailor-made at the time, seemed tailor-made for T20 cricket, Esani Lokasuryage, and, you know, Rasangika as well. So many promising performances in that tournament, and you would just, you just assume that this point that not just Sri Lankan cricket, but those players would go on and hit, you know, just make an impact on the global stage. And especially with Esani, uh, we did not see that happen. Um, you know, and I guess this comes back to, you know, the conversation about systems. Can you just walk us through why those players didn't hit the heights that we thought they would? Yeah, I think what's most disappointing from that tournament is the fact that it was not an old team. It was there were a lot of relatively younger players as well. Uh, I think Shamari Atapatu, that was her first major tournament. But still, although they had the kind of potential to go on, and there was talk about Sri Lanka potentially being one of the top teams coming into the next tournament. But something just fell away. I think um, one was the one was the sexual misconduct. Uh, problem, the issue that uh, took place within SLC. Uh, the others is just the system. I think if you even if you look at Sri Lanka cricket as a whole, uh, players probably play at the most 15 games a year, some of the women's cricketers. So that's really not enough game match time to kind of become a better player. So uh, overall, I think that's that is still an issue. And and uh, I know players like Shashikala Sirivadana have advocated for there to be more cricket because they understand when you're when you're exposed to some of the overseas players and you 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 talk to them, you understand that just you can't function like a kind of an amateur team and expect to be performing well at the international level. So that was, I think, one of the biggest issues and continues to be a massive issue for Sri Lanka at the moment. Just the lack of game time, even with the existing system, as in the club system, there could have been something uh, done. But the fact is that they just don't play enough cricket during the year to kind of get better and be exposed to different situations in a match. And like be give, they, are, they don't have the opportunity to kind of develop their skills apart from, you know, training. Absolutely. And just going off that point, can you talk to us a little bit about the club system, you know, the number of teams, divisions, and, and I guess just in general, the pathway to the, the national team? Okay, so a couple of years ago, there was there were two divisions. But since 2020, uh, only the uh, Division 1 matches have been held. So they did have a tournament in 2020. They haven't had anything yet. Basically... So there isn't a pathway for clubs per se. It's the, the domestic setup is dominated, I think, by the forces. So we've got the Army Sports Club, Navy Sports Club, and Air Force Sports Club, which basically recruit players as soon as they kind of turn 18. And those teams are good. Uh, they have pretty much, like, I think, close to 90% of the national players play for one of those three clubs. And the, the sole reason for that is the fact that they are the only ones who are able to give 
players kind of uh, uh, financial you know assistance or they they are they give them jobs in the forces and then use them as players whereas clubs outside that don't really have the money to kind of go in that direction so a couple of years ago what i noticed when i was when i briefly played uh, division 2 cricket was that uh, basically the young players like if you're 14 15 16 up to kind of your uh, late teens those players get called into clubs like colts cricket club then there was a club in kandy uh, those teams but as soon as they kind of hit 18 then they offered jobs at one of the forces so then with with the kind of the monetary side coming into it most players opt to go in there and again clubs like colts have to start from scratch because they don't have um, i mean all the players they've groomed up to that stage are now gone again so i think there are a few kind of uh, clubs trying to make it because last season we saw chilau marians uh, which which is a prominent club in the men's circuit come up with the women's team and chamari agapathu represented them uh, last season so there are a few clubs that are trying to get in there another one is senigama uh, cricket club which is i think handled by the foundation of goodness which we have seen produce a lot of good cricketers so Uh, people like Kavisha Dilhari, who you may have noticed, one of the most promising players uh, we have seen of late, came from Sinigama. Uh, not only the women's side, but a lot of uh, men's players as well coming from uh, Sinigama. So that's the kind of setup. There, there is no direct, there's no proper pathway, I think, because the school system is also very limited. Uh, I don't know if you know, but in Sri Lanka, the the boys' schools. cricket system is big i mean i i don't know if there are very many schools in colombo that don't have a hardball cricket team but that's not the case for girls there are very few schools that play hardball cricket and um, so there is no proper system where you know you see like you have like a pool of 100 to choose from for the club season next year or whatever um, so that that is one of the big areas which i think needs improvement i i don't see a problem with the number of teams but it's just that there is no proper system for them to be uh, with fewer teams playing schools cricket then of course the number of players who graduate from that and who want to pursue cricket as a career the number is small and then when you have the whole financial thing your clubs can't really pay you uh, well enough to you know pursue it then that that means more drop out and then you're left with basically i think the bare minimum to cover up kind of five teams or six teams in the domestic circuit yeah it's interesting and i'm just wondering what is the the solution to um you know to those problems you highlighted firstly the the lack of schools cricket for for girls and also um i guess constant the concentration of talent and i think you said the army uh the air force and uh, the navy so you know what what are, what are the solutions i guess it's a two part question what are the solutions to those two issues in your opinion yeah i think one of the biggest things is obviously getting more people more girls to play cricket so i think that's where the national team i think it's very important because seeing your con- people from your country playing at world events playing other countries playing international cricket would encourage a lot of 
girls to start playing cricket. I know I spoke to Shashikala Sirivathan a couple of months ago, and she has an academy um, where there are a lot of girls who also come. So I was asking her how she is seeing the growth of the popularity. Um, so according to her, where she had maybe five to six players, maybe ten years ago or five six years ago, now she has more than forty players. So that is purely through the fact that people are seeing, girls are seeing things on the TV, they're seeing it on the internet, they're seeing people like Chamariyathapath to go overseas, play in the WBBL, they're seeing them go and, you know, that that's the thing that can encourage girls to play cricket. And once more of them play, then obviously then your talent pool is much bigger and you have a much bigger uh, group of players to pick from. Uh, in terms of what the solution is, I think at uh, maybe before COVID, there, there were certain plans, I think, to go out there outside Colombo and get schools to get involved in girls' cricket, uh, provide whatever uh, equipment they need. Of course, cricket, that's the, the, the one big barrier, I think, is the fact that you need equipment. You, you can't just pick up a ball and play. You need to have your, if you're going to play leather ball cricket, then you need to have, have the proper equipment. So that's something that Apsari Tilakaratna uh, has been driving for Sri Lanka cricket. Uh, she also came up with the plan to um, host these big matches between schools, cricket teams. So in Sri Lanka, uh, there's a big, big match, big match kind of uh, scene in the boys' side where you have rival schools competing against each other. And that's a massive part of the school's cricket calendar early in the year. So she wanted to create something like similar for the girls as well, which I think was a brilliant idea. Unfortunately, didn't really come through for most schools. I think there were a couple of schools that had the big matches, but uh, the plans didn't quite work out. So they are trying to get more girls to participate by going outstation uh, there are provincial coaches also who have been employed I think, by Sri Lanka cricket who go to these schools and uh, kind of uh, get, get get an idea of what is needed for them to start um, playing. So that's something that it's still in, in, in kind of the very early stages, but hopefully that will be invested in and we will see more and more girls coming through that school system so that the club system will be more robust and more competitive. Absolutely. And just going off one thing you said there as well, the impact of COVID, right? And okay, I'm, you know, I'm willing to accept COVID has disrupted the cricketing calendar in so many countries across men's and women's cricket. You see it a lot with associate nations as well. But on the other hand, you have around 20 nations or 25, or perhaps even 30 nations whose women's team have competed in the last year and a half in, in, in some form or the other, internationally, of course. Is there any excuse for the Sri Lankan women's team not playing any international cricket? I know something was planned, you know, something was in the works with uh, India and per perhaps Bangladesh. I don't know if I'm just imagining this. And at, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it's been almost 600 days. Is there, at, at what point does COVID stop being an excuse for, for Sri Lanka cricket? 
Yeah, I don't know how uh, that can be used now because we've seen so much of cricket domestically for the men. We've seen international cricket being hosted. So I don't know how anybody can say, look, we, we just don't, uh, we just can't plan something like this because even the qualifiers were supposed to be held in Sri Lanka um, and then shifted to Zimbabwe, which by the way would have been a massive advantage to Sri Lanka because, I mean, then that would have almost made up for the fact that they haven't played international cricket because they've had, they would have had some familiarity with the pitchers. But uh, I don't know. The, 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 there's, there's no way anyone can say that it's COVID because everything else has commenced. We've seen, uh, domestic, we've seen one season of the LPL and another season coming up. We've seen international cricket being hosted. We've seen the domestic men's tournaments hosted. So I don't think there is any excuse to say, uh, excuse saying that it's because of COVID. It's basically just apathy because, you know, no one, no one really cares. That's, that's at the end of the day, that's, that's the truth. Because um, when the Sri Lankan team is not doing well, they haven't been doing well in the past couple of years. But if they were doing well, we would have seen a lot of people joining that bandwagon and trying to get things going. But it, it's almost a cycle, right? It's I mean, you don't give them enough games. You don't give them the resources they need. They're not going to get better. So it's it's almost as if like it's, it's going in this unending circle where, um, you know, now when they play and they don't do well, then you talk about what's the point in investing in this team. They're not performing well. You know, it goes round and round. So I don't know. Like, I, you just have one look at the men's calendar, and it'll tell you that Sri Lanka cricket have not done enough uh, for the women's team in the past. They they have done things like you know providing a separate training facility. They've got a high profile coach. They they've supported the players in terms of you know the 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 dietary stuff and all of that. They've done all that all of that, but. This is at the end of the day, it's an, they're not doing the team a favor. It's a, you know, it's an international team. And if you want them to do well internationally, then they need to have uh, games. They need to be playing consistently. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you, you look at a team like Thailand as well. The Cricket Association of Thailand, not nearly as well endowed as Sri Lanka, a full member, right? who get tens of millions of US dollars per year in ICC grants, right? And that's to go along with, you know, the, the revenue coming in from bilateral cricket. You know, we're talking about a vastly greater budget at their disposal. Yet, Thailand are able to organize, I believe it was, I believe it was nine ODIs against Zimbabwe and a South African emerging uh, emerging team, uh, along with T20Is to, to go along with it. I think they, I think it was around 14 games or something like that. Now, Thailand is able to organize that, right? Bangladesh as well, they've arrived early in Zimbabwe. They're playing Zimbabwe as we speak right now. And I mean, I, at, at this point, I, I kind of forget what my question is. I feel like I'm just ranting at this point. But, you know, it, it just goes back to that 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 whole circular argument is so frustrating. What's the point of investing 
what's the point of investing in the woman's team if the woman's team is not performing but at the same time you need that investment you need some willingness some care and attention in order for for you know the these things to be fixed such as a long gap in in your fixture in your fixture list and i guess my next question actually is and i mean i look i i know i know the answer to this question i know my opinion on this i'm pretty sure i know your opinion as well but you know i just want to hear it in in your words as well is it too early for a franchise women's league in sri lanka uh i'm not too keen on it to be honest because what i see is that first you need look it can it can really damage the structure in that when you don't know you don't have say you have four teams then you need at least 80 players right if you don't have 80 quality players and you go international like you you get your international players down and you play a franchise tournament and then they are really exposed the local players are exposed because there's so much there's such a big gap between those internationals and locals then that can do more damage to the sri lankan system than you know not having one because everyone like sponsors all of these people are going to not want to kind of invest in it further because they're going to think there's no there's no potential there so for me i think they first need to get the the schools see nothing is going to be a quick fix sri lanka cricket is not going to come uh, back in two years and win a world cup that's not going to happen but you need to do the hard work now if you want to be a top team in in 10 years time so to do that they need to first build that you know the grassroots level they need to they need to have people who are focused on that we see so many big names coming into sri lanka cricket but i wonder sometimes do like is there any folk, is there any conversation about the women's game or is it based only on the men's senior team because we've seen so many uh, i mean uh, former sri lanka men's captains uh, former coaches all coming into sri lanka cricket uh, hiring them but are they there only for the men's senior team or are they looking overlooking everything because there's certainly seems like there's very little attention towards uh, the women's game or any real plan on how things are going to move forward so for me before they think they did think about a t10 tournament i think uh, but for me first you need you need to have 80 decent players to compete right so i don't think we are at that point at the moment because the domestic cricket like i said they they hardly play any cricket Uh, you play 10 15 that's at the most 10 to 15 matches sometimes tournaments a player i think the last tournament uh, those who went into the final played maybe seven matches so i mean you you where how do you find players with seven games right i mean so much can happen there's only so much that can happen in seven games and so much you can assess through seven games so that's the problem i think when players are not exposed to better quality opposition also then they don't get better when they are only in training they're not playing games so yeah so i'm not very keen on uh, on a franchise based tournament at the moment because i feel like that's only going to kind of hurt uh, the system even more because it's going to expose a lot of players yeah i'm actually glad i answer i asked you that question because 
I was I was just making an assumption, right? But like you said, I, I I guess a big part of it comes down to just the volume of games, and the fact that you know you compare Sri Lanka to somewhere like India, and you have that whole argument about is there enough depth for a women's IPL, and I guess what I'm starting to realize is it's it's a it's it's a vastly different context in in Sri Lanka. And I think you pointed this out in your article on Women's Crick Zone, which we'll, you know, we'll link to in the show notes as well. You know, even even for the the average, you know, domestic cricketer in India, they're playing a lot more cricket than the average uh, you know, Sri Lankan senior team cricketer. Mm-hmm. Right. And um yeah, you know, it's 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 quite interesting in that way. Like a, a franchise tournament, before it can be effective, there's so many more things that need to be done, right? And just on that topic, I'm curious. You know, what, what's what's it like in terms of you know having an and I feel like I know the answer to this, but you know, what's it like in terms of having an academy or or an A team? Um, you know, even a, even a a team, a country like Thailand, even Thailand has an A team now for the last couple of years, you know, I, I don't think I've ever seen any or noticed any scorecards of, you know, a Sri Lankan A, a team touring any country. Can, can you just shed some light on that? And, um, you know, the, the under 19 system as well. Yeah, the under 19s, there is no team per se, but there are a lot of uh, young players who come into the national setup. In terms of A team, they don't have an A team, but there's an emerging team, which is basically the A team, uh, but they don't tour anywhere. So uh, they did have a couple of tournaments. I think before COVID, they did have a couple of tournaments, uh, which we hosted here, but that's basically now the kind of the, the wider pool of the national team, where you've got maybe 20 to 30 players there who kind of, float into the national team and, uh, you know, play. So that, again, that's another problem for Sri Lanka cricket. But like I said, that it's it's all connected. It has to come from, you know, the school system and then the feeder, which should act as a feeder to the club system. And then from there, it makes it easier for you to uh, pick. Because if you, if you look at the Sri Lankan teams of maybe the last six, seven years, It's there are very few uh, new players. A lot of players, we kind of, they are in the team, then they're out, then they return. That we see a lot, even in this time squad for, for the qualifiers, we see a lot of older players, I think, coming in. There are a lot of young players as well. But you see some of the, like, so to me, that says that in the club system also, it's the same people who are performing. And therefore, that's the same people who are being picked. Um, so that A team is crucial, but I don't know. I mean, uh, I was speaking to one of the former players a couple of months ago, and she told me if the Women's Super League didn't exist, where play, teams of, were required to play three home and three away series, we don't know how many matches Sri Lanka would have played in the last five. That that is ultimately that that is uh, the fact that we have to face. We don't know if this because the ICC made up a system that we have to play these tournaments. It happened, 
but if 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 not for that we don't know if the sri lankan women's team would have got even a handful of matches because uh, shashikala sirivadana i think that was her first tour to australia a couple of years ago and she has played cricket for 20 years international cricket so uh, when when that is a situation for the national team uh, you know thinking about uh, a team tours I, i don't know how i mean how realistic it is to expect some progress on, on that yeah, yeah you know it's uh, it's it, it's interesting you 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 say that and i feel like at this point you know we're, we're painting a bit of a grim picture for the audience right now but and it might you know who knows maybe it's going to get even more grim right but i'm just wondering like who who actually makes these decisions it it sounds like there definitely isn't a specific women's wing in sri lankan cricket and you know for for the people making these decisions i'm i'm guessing it's it's mainly men who are making these decisions like what what is you know what is the situation with you know gender parity on 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 you know the sri lankan board yeah i think in terms of who is making the decisions it's the sri lankan board as a whole and as you mentioned majority of them are males but they have appointed a few people like apsari as i mentioned before to kind of uh, basically handle the development of the sport so but i see is that there is on her part at least what i've seen is that there is uh, the want uh, she wants to do a lot of things but whether she is able to get the support needed for those is the question uh, they they do get funds like i mentioned uh, they have provincial coaches and district coaches who she goes with uh, visiting schools outside colombo uh, to get them to play and then to to see about what equipment they need and the resources they need and all of that so that there is some kind of investment there but it kind of falls by the wayside when you need to make it a priority so for example uh, sri lanka cricket hosted the bangladesh under 19s last month they are currently hosting the pakistan a men's team uh, and uh, like i mentioned we've had a number of international tours going on as well so generally what you should see from a uh, what you would expect to see from a board is that the two national senior teams are the priorities but here what seems to be happening is that sometimes or most of the time the women's team is if there are three if only three t- if only three tours are possible or they have the resources for three tours then it's going to be the senior men's team the under 19 team and the a men's a team the women's team is not a priority so that is the problem because like i said they they sometimes i think even they've invested so much monetarily like in getting together a high performance center for the women and all of that so that's a very good step and that's a re- that's a step in the right direction so when you're investing so much why aren't you giving that little bit extra you need to kind of make something out of that investment right because uh, at the end of the day you're spending your money your 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 putting resources into that so why not put that little bit more and kind of get it to a level where and like you said there is a massive market for it now so 
that that's one of the biggest problems i have with it is that it's never prioritized yeah they will pay the players they will give them all the equipment they need get them sponsorships i think a lot of players now have they are they are they are earned back sponsorships or equipment sponsorships now they do have those things so that's there but like that it's almost like that final step towards getting them uh, giving them that opportunity to get to the next level sometimes just falls through yeah and i think the operative term over there is investment because these a team men's tours these under 19 tours these aren't exactly revenue generating th- these are not revenue generating activities at all for the board right the whole point is from their perspectives if we spend this money it will help you know the fortunes of our men's senior team that's how that's how and where we're getting our players from and man i mean honestly i i feel like a lot a lot of a lot of our audience have probably had their tissues out at this point this this might be one of if not the single most grim you know upsetting infuriating uh yet educational podcast we've had so far but um you know just 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 moving things along let's talk about sri lanka's prospects in the world cup qualifier itself which kicks off on the 21st of november um now group a the sad news obviously coming in yesterday that png uh, won't be able to send a team with um you know because 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 a lot of their team have tested positive covid and they simply cannot get a team together so that's that's quite sad and at this point we're left with the possibility that we may only have four teams in sri lanka's group group a which features ireland the netherlands and you've got to believe uh, the favorites for that group uh, the west indies now three out of these four teams perhaps a fifth if the icc managed to get a you know get a replacement team in but three out of these four or five teams are going to go through to the super 6 stage out of which two go through to the world cup um so firstly you know just just talk to me about you know sri lanka's i guess prospects in group a but also as as a whole in the tournament like how, what are you, what are you expecting from from team sri lanka yeah i think um overall sri lanka would expect to make it into isn't it the top 3 going through to the world cup i think it's the top 3 it, it might it might be the top 3 um, maybe i'll edit this bit in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so yeah overall i think sri lanka will be confident that they will be able to go through to that sixth round from that point is when it's going to get tough because you've got four teams that have played pretty good cricket in the recent past so you've got west indies of course as you mentioned the favorites i think to finish on top then you've got pakistan who've also done really well and have a very good record against sri lanka in the recent past and you've got bangladesh who've uh, done well against other teams apart from sri lanka sri lanka surprisingly has you know uh, dominated them in the in the most recent years so those will in my opinion will be the three teams that sri lanka will have to compete hard with in order to finish in the top 3 so my thinking is 
West Indies and Pakistan will go through as the top two teams. So Sri Lanka will have to battle it out with Bangladesh. But of course, we don't know because we haven't seen them play in the last uh, one and a half years. And we haven't seen them in ODI cricket for nearly two years now. So um, that's going to be uh, the thing that until you see the team, I think, on the first game, during the first game, I think they're playing Netherlands on the 29th. Nobody's really sure of you know what's going to happen um, because we just no one has actually no one has just seen them. So um, should be interesting. I think I'm optimistic that they will go through to the Super Six, but from there it's going to be challenging against teams who have played more cricket and uh, you know come through during the last year or so. Is it possible against teams like? Ireland and the Netherlands, you know, is I, I genuinely feel that one of those two teams, Ireland, of, of course, you know, um, the, the Ireland, of course, you know, a bigger threat than the Netherlands. But I, I genuinely feel like one of those two teams, Ireland with, with a lot of international cricket, uh, including uh, the T20 qualifier as well, the T20 Europe qualifier, and, you know, playing preparatory games in England as well. I just feel like there's a real chance that a well-prepared Irish team could upset Sri Lanka, which, of course, Sri Lanka can still go through to the Super Six if that does happen. But um, it's, it's, it's interesting what you said, because we don't know what Sri Lanka is going to, you know, what version of Sri Lanka is going to turn up, how good they're going to be. But... I guess we've seen a little bit of a glimpse of it with Chamari Atapattu. She hasn't had the best WBBL just now. And if someone like, you know, someone like Chamari, it's quite rare for Chamari Atapattu to show up in Australia playing Sri Lankan bowl, sorry, playing Australian bowlers and not performing, you know, but I mean, I kind of forget my question at this point, but it just goes off your point. You know, we don't quite know which version of Sri Lanka is going to turn up. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it must be really, it must be really frustrating, you know, as, as both someone who covers the game, but also as a journalist to, to see, you know, to, to just be so out of the blue and, and not quite know which uh, version of Sri Lanka is going to turn up. Yeah, that's, I think with Chamari, I was really happy that uh, the Scorchers only got three internationals because that meant that she would get as much game time as possible uh, for them. So I think although she hasn't made a lot of runs and I'm quite surprised they haven't used her with the ball at all, um, what's good is that she's been able to face some quality bowling. I know she she would have definitely faced people like uh, Marisa and Cap in the nets and not one of the best in the world. So that's one huge plus for her because she's going to come into the tournament. So short on runs, she's, you know, probably really gotten used to playing some quality quality bowlers. So she will obviously be a massive, massive uh, key to Sri Lanka's success. If, if Sri Lanka going to go anywhere in the qualifiers, it's going to be off her bat. Um, so... Yeah, uh, not not uh, no disrespect to Ireland, but I think at the moment 
with the players sri lanka have they, they've got a lot of experienced players and also a lot of exciting new uh, girls in the squad i think they have it in them to go through and i think a good one good thing that has come out of this is that they've spent a lot of time together now so that kind of understanding the roles and all of that hopefully is in place now and they've had they've spent a lot of time with tasha and tilakratna the coach as well so those are all positives but yeah you know you never know when it comes to teams that have played a lot of cricket um during the past year what they would offer and i don't think sri lanka have played ireland in the recent past or even the netherlands for that matter so should be interesting to see but i'm i think that they'll do reasonably well uh, in the first round it's going to be tricky in the super 6 where they have to you know push towards finishing in the top 3 Absolutely and just to you know round things off on a more positive note talk to us about some of the youngsters uh coming through the system and you know the youngsters that we can uh you know look out for in in the qualifier Yeah so they've got uh three teenagers in the squad Vishnu Gunaratna Imesh Adulani and Sachini Isansala uh, Vishnu Gunaratna actually last year during the domestic season became Sri Lanka's youngest uh, centurion um in list cricket uh, she made a 100 against chamari athapattu's thila umerian so that was i think a massive moment for her and as a result it seen her pull into the sri lankan national team uh, what was good was the fact that it it was when you look at sri lankan batters usually apart from chamari you don't see a lot of attacking players but uh, vishwi is one of those attacking batters who can kind of go after the bowling so i think she really caught uh, particularly i think chamari was very impressed by her uh, during that tournament so she is one we we all got our eyes on hopefully she gets to play because as you know sri lanka might take kind of a conservative uh, approach and opt to go with the more experienced players but if we do if she does get to play i think it will be really exciting to have someone like her batting with chamari adapattu at the top of the order maybe um also kavisha dilhari uh, impressed a lot in the past couple of years particularly during that series against india in sri lanka i think what stand out stands out for me when it comes to her is the fact that she's got a lot of confidence she's not um she's she's by nature an attacking player whether it's in the field or with the bat or with the ball uh, a very attacking cricketer so that's another one who i'm interested to see how she goes and of course the third is uh, vice captain harshita uh, samaravikrama uh, still very young i think she's 23 or 24 is more suited to the 50 over uh, format i think because she does take a bit of time but is very much a touch player so i think in a top order that's going to rely a lot on chamari athapattu you need someone like harshita to kind of steady things and bat through the innings because as you as you would expect i don't think we can expect uh, too many massive totals in the tournament apart from maybe when west indies the west indies is playing so you will need that player to kind of play that anchor role and bat through the overs so harshita will be a good option there the bowlers you've got udeshika prabodhini the left armer very seasoned campaigner and 
is a excellent i think very underrated uh, bowler with the new ball in particular so she'll be the key uh, starting the innings of sri lanka with the ball uh, there are lot of promising i think players in the side it's just that like i said we don't know what to expect from them now coming in after such a long break from international cricket random question are you surprised that over the years someone like udeshika hasn't received any sort of franchise deal and we haven't seen her in in you know overseas t20 leagues yeah that's an interesting thing because when we have seen her in international cricket she has been so impressive i mean even during the t20 world cup against australia out of nowhere sri lanka were in with a chance there to you know pull off a major upset um because of her new ball bowling the the shape she is able to get with the ball is really something you don't often see and uh, that that left arm option is such a such an important option i think for any team to have for me the fact of the matter is to pick for for overseas franchises to pick her they need to see her playing and we don't see them play her playing enough cricket that is the problem so someone like chamari atapatti now she is playing a lot of domestic leagues she she's been to the uk she's been to the wbbl she's been to the women's ipl so people are able to see her and kind of obviously through international cricket you know what she is capable of and what she brings to the table but for people like i'm sure there are a lot of other players in sri lanka also who have that potential it's just that sometimes it's just too much of a risk for a uh, overseas league to invest on a player who they you know hardly see, they have hardly seen or who's hardly had it like even chamari atapak so i think that was a massive gamble to um, by the scorchers to bring her in because she hadn't played any cricket uh, during the past year but of course she's she's such a quality player she's able to adjust so yeah that that's been the major issue so that's why it's so sorry i'm going back to it being very grim story but the the, the what's sad about it is that there is through not playing international cricket you could potentially also be these girls are losing out on opportunities they could potentially have so that's sad because even if they don't you know go do go far in international cricket you know in the men's game even the auxiliary players kind of have opportunities to go overseas to uh, you know play in franchise leagues and make a make a living out of that but for the women that that's what's sad to see because it's either you play international cricket or you play club cricket and you don't get enough so nobody sees you and then you know don't you don't get opportunities beyond that well estelle thank you so much for coming on the all over cricket podcast it's been an illuminating chat it's been a little grim and sad at times as well but just to round things off you know just um just just walk us through you know your social media handles if people want to find estelle vasudevan you know like what's your twitter handles and all your social media cred Yeah so you can follow me on SR Vasudevan on Twitter so that's the only platform I'm really active uh, on in terms of sports so yeah that's that's the place to go Thank you for listening if you've enjoyed this episode and if you'd like cricket to be a more global and gender inclusive sport subscribe to the podcast visit our website at allovercrick.com and find us on Twitter and Facebook at allovercrick
and don't forget to tell your friends and family about all over cricket.